Greetings, Meltopians. If you've become enthralled by the dark wastes and nightscapes of Meltopia, and want to further explore its Stygian depths, consider joining our Patreon. For $2 a month, you could become a Meltopian and gain access to the darkest artworks, as well as written mythos pieces contained in the Melgrim, entries in Meltopia's own dark encyclopedia, and the legendary Corpus Diabolos, an elite publication containing essays written by the most esteemed dark scholars. For $5 a month, become a feared mailsayer and gain early access to episodes on the Meltopia and Sleepwake Cycle podcasts, and listen to new episodes of our audio series, Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book. And for $10 a month, join the ranks of the Melsapien, where you can listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, October's Children, as well as gain access to found recordings discovered throughout the world in The Weird Tapes. But if you're not ready to delve into the pitch just yet, and would rather swim the shallows to test the blackened waters, you can explore our public page which contains our entire backlog of Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book, episodes from the Meltopia podcast, which all together number over a hundred episodes. So, whether you want to become a full denizen of the dark, or simply peruse the public archives, come visit us at patreon.com forward slash Meltopia. That's M-A-E-L- T-O-P-I-A. Now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. For our oldest and most loyal listeners out there, we wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Outside of our careers and time spent with family, the three of us here at Maltopia have been working every night and weekend for the past five years, building our company into what it is today. With your help, our goal is to make Maltopia our livelihood, allowing us to bring you higher quality content, exciting new podcast series, and published works, and a large central community for you to take part in. As a thank you for your support, we're offering exclusive perks and bonus content, like early access to podcast episodes, behind-the-scene creator videos, and more. Go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia today and explore our membership levels, and be sure to scroll through for free public content, some of which gives you a sneak peek at what you can expect when you become a member. From Mark, Steve, and Walker, thanks again for enjoying our podcast, and we hope to meet you soon on Patreon.
the road was occasionally interrupted by derelict vehicles, all of them in various postures of abandonment. Metal and glass ripped away like paper, and almost all of them blood spattered. The same condition is generally applied to the houses Mars came across. Little country abodes that dotted the sprawl of forest, torn apart and emptied of their living contents, blood left behind like the red echoes of horrifying events. The horde of monsters responsible for the carnage made no attempt to conceal its presence or numbers, as tracks of all shapes and sizes mangled the earth with their collective, expansive trample. Tracking the things was child's play. The initial mission had concluded. The creatures were highly likely the same he'd previously encountered. The way they moved was identical, if not the tracks themselves. He determined the next leg of his quest, information gathering. The path of demons curved away from the horde's most recent victim, a small cottage overlooking a rambling brook, and re-entered the woods to the south. Mars was relieved to see that the track steadily moved farther away from Deadwitch. The things seemed to attack only at night, and given the late hour they were likely going to retire for the evening. This would allow him the luxury of pressing on without having to rush back. There would be plenty of time for the return trip, and all that would need doing afterwards. He stood for a moment before the specter of the woods, the moon a hazy stain upon the night where it lurked behind thin cloud cover. His meal from the bone spur was days past. His soul was pacing from hunger again. And here he was on the trail of monsters. Perhaps, if he were quick enough, he might land a straggler from the pack. Mars plunged silently into the overgrowth, his pace ever quickening for the thoughts of the violence to come. The night seemed to reach out to him as he hurried along the trail of terrors the play of moon and shadow creating a nourishing expectation for the night's conclusion. He felt as if he traveled an endless stage extending into an infinite gloom, to play out, once again, the timeless drama of killing before unseen burning eyes. This was how he felt every time he doled out death after the machine, like he was being watched. His best killing had always been conducted under these conditions. Shielded from the sky by a leafy canopy, but no less visible to some dark witness for the fact. The woods recalled the red scenes he'd already acted out, and the dead silence formed the perfect sonic backdrop for the recalling of screams, gunfire, and weeping. He froze as he reckoned that silence, its absolute sway over all living things of the forest. The place was holding its breath at the presence of a killer one other than himself. He knew their fondness for attacking from beneath, erupting en masse from their shrewdly dug hidey holes. So he leapt into the trees, perching cat-like atop a stout limb, surveying. From his new vantage, he could spy a large structure not too distant him. It was old with the smell of wood rot, but mostly it reeked of blood and beasts. Moving soundlessly through the trees, he approached the thing, which revealed itself for a massive lumber mill, replete with a fleet of huts and tents intended to shelter a small army of woodsmen. The lumber industry boomed after the darkness, 
the construction of provisionary structures to house the mad and the repair of so much damage recreated the lumber barons of the 19th century and their wooden kingdoms. Here was just such an example, save that all the lumberjacks were likely no more than stain and spittle, and trees were no longer the target of instruments made for shearing and tearing. Mars could feel the heat of a sea of fresh blood. He could actually see the mist rising from where it was most concentrated, where slumbering monsters dreamed of killing and eating. As he inspected the sights, something besides the night reached out for him from behind. The thin tremble of displaced air rising to the Warbringer's awareness like the plucking of a spider's web. He leapt high into the air, flipping backwards and producing his war hands in a single fluid movement. Landing in a crouch upon a knot of crisscrossing tree branches, he scanned the night. Something settled upon an adjacent confluence of limbs, standing over him, eyes reflecting silver. Hiya, Owen, the thing said in a whisper that bordered on a hiss. Mars sampled the air, sifting through the bestial musk of blood and sweat. Beneath, or perhaps scattered amongst the scent of an animal, was the hint of a man. It was as familiar as it was impossible. Don't trouble yourself, old pal. It's me, Bobby. The thing that stepped into the moonlight was only barely a man. More like a fusion of forest predators pressed crudely into the shape of a human being. Mars struck out before he bothered to trouble his memory his war hands sweeping through the empty space as Bobby dodged sideways across the branch. Mars was already leaping at the man he now recalled should be dead, devoured by mobs of monsters. The fact that he wasn't didn't trouble Mars at all. He was too hungry to care. Can't thank you enough for leaving us all behind to die the way you did. Real big of you, Owen. Bobby was once a friend, a comrade in arms. But what he was now, besides a meal, was anyone's guess. Mars finally connected with his former teammate. His fist crashed across the man's teeth, blasting him through the canopy, snapping branches describing his trajectory. Shit happens, Bob. The Warbringer was close upon the man's airborne heels, his speed increasing by the moment. Really sweet of you to care so much, Brady. A woman's voice came at him from above as did a speeding claw that resembled the sweeping forelimb of a massive grizzly bear. Mars pivoted sideways to a parallel branch, the blow from above shattering the previous limb. It was Charlene this time, her body disproportionate with the head and shoulders of a monster only slightly resembling a bear, all of it tapering down to the narrow waist of a slender woman. Her body redistributed its mass as she came to rest on the side of a tree, her upper bulk swelling downward to fill out the rest of her, all while her eyes sang a familiar song of silver in the dark. What's the matter, fella? Afraid to hit a girl? She was once close to the Warbringer, a fellow devotee of violence and a damn fine card player. The bald brass fist of his warhands answered her question with explanation to spare. The shot should have toppled her, but she weathered it with ease offering a toothsome grin in the vanishing wake of its fury. It was a rhetorical question, Owen. A guy who lets his team get slaughtered while he hightails it to the hills <laughs> shouldn't have a problem decking a chick. Still trying to play head games, huh? 
Well, keep at it. It'll make killing you two a lot easier. Mars said as he leapt to a higher branch so as to keep his opponents in view. While he was indeed hardened to the realization that two of his former teammates had apparently been sprung from the grave, the warring spirit drove his thoughts to focus on the combat at hand. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. He was certainly surprised to see them, though that track of thought was peripheral. He remembered the missions they'd shared and the bonds he'd attempted to forge with his fellow Malsapiens. He might have even gone so far as to consider them friends, notwithstanding the bitter melancholy that was an ever-present deterrent to any strain of sustained happiness or camaraderie. But such was the challenge posed to all Melsapiens. He had been especially fond of Charlene, who was always at the fore of conflict, the two of them sharing the heat of battle. She was the last to fall to the monsters in the mountains, and the reason he remained as long as he did hoping against hope that he might join her in one last fight. As fine a way to check out as any. But she had fallen beneath the hungry legions before he could reach her. She was a warrior he could have fought alongside to the death, and here he was, treating her as he would any other foe. The warring spirit was no respecter of teammates, or friends, or lovers. Fitting, given that war was yet one of the ways the world might end. Charlene raced up the tree after her former comrade, her movements like a feral animal, and Bobby emerged from the broken foliage just opposite Mars. His body was slowly changing into something of a monstrous bear, hands extending saber-like claws. No one's playing in head games, Owen, Bobby growled in a low, monstrous voice. We're just airing out our grievances. We find it therapeutic to be able to confront the man who left us all to die, to be eaten alive. Charlene's voice began to drop similarly, her mouth widening to afford space to the spike-like teeth erupting through her raw red gums. Suits me fine, Mars growled back, channeling the warring spirit into his weapon, the brass hands swelling and glowing red their claws sliding further and longer from their metallic sheaths. 
The two former harrowers never possessed any animalistic abilities that Mars recalled, so he was curious if they retained their old tricks, having perhaps lost them for the aspects of the monsters that devoured them. But this was not the case. She called it her cutting light, a serrated brilliance she could project at will, and now the forest was covered in the stuff. It felt like a thousand knives cutting into his skin where the silver illumination fell upon his forearm. And then came the sound of blade scraping bone as the light flinched the flesh from his radial bone. The pain was immediately sublimated by the warring spirit, as much as the flesh was knitting itself back together. Regardless, Mars couldn't expect to functionally weather a full, unmitigated blast of it, so he quickly flung himself behind as much foliage as possible. He could hear the light shredding the intervening trunks and branches he left in his wake, a lone woman doing the work of a hundred lumberjacks. Tree after tree fell to the light as it blazed after the Warbringer, who only barely managed to stay ahead of his one-time teammate's aim. Bobby, however, put a sudden end to the passenger's forward momentum, crashing into him from the opposite direction, sinking monstrous fangs deep into his shoulder. Robert Seals had been nearly killed by an IED in the line of duty, so the machine thought it would be funny to allow him to explode at will, among other things. As Mars recalled, Bob was never big on detonating when it wasn't absolutely necessary, which was only natural given that the machine hadn't spared him the ability to shield himself from the pain of explosively coming apart and then forcibly coming back together again. Currently, Robert seemed content to rely on his newfound bestial abilities, but Mars thought it only a matter of time before the ex-harrower decided to pull the pin, as it were. As the two former comrades plummeted through the canopy, Mars stabbed the end of his weapon into Bobby's stomach, the brass hand acting like a spear tip with its clawed fingers held straight out. After the inserted metallic limb tore and crushed whatever organs it happened upon, Mars wrenched the man from his shoulder and sent him tumbling through space. The pain of Mars's attack likely made Bobby's decision to detonate himself an easy one. The explosion was massive, flattening several trees and laying a deep crater into the ground. Mars was shot through the woods like a cannonball, finally coming to rest within the side of a hill, his body broken but ever mending. The Warbringer winced to his feet to find the black smoke and fire of the aftermath held a semblance of the exploding ex-harrower, a billowing likeness that flowed and tumbled through the woods, searching. It seemed Bobby's power had also grown during the interim. As soon as the living conflagration spotted the staggered Malsapien, the fire and smoke of its construction rushed forward and reconverged, exploding a second time. Again, Mars was slammed into the prevailing dirt and stone of the hillside, only much harder than the first time. He felt like a bag of pulverized bones, barely able to lift his head to spy the exploder, standing whole and entire within a fresh, smoking fissure. Bobby stalked forward, assuming a bestial shape as he went. The now fully formed monster, a thing comprised of several mountain beasts, stopped just shy of Mars, waiting. Well, that was a refreshing bit of exercise, wasn't it? Cooed Charlene, emerging from the darkness and kneeling to look Mars squarely in his eyes, nearly swollen shut though they were. 
Even better, we're going to give you a chance at redemption. Or empathy, at the very least. See, sweetie, it's your turn to get eaten alive and join the gang. Mars could barely make out the monster drawing forth from the woods. A monster that apparently had every intention of devouring him. Ah, fuck. The lighting was dim and had a slight blue tinge to it, compliments of the ghostly machine that supplied power to the spirit handler's home. Antonia found it uncomfortably similar to her killing pool, whenever the light had caused to spill into its depth, revealing it for the monstrous place that it was, her home. The faces gathered around the table seemed to float in the gloom that stubbornly clung to the corners of the room the weak light merely pestering the darkness rather than banishing it altogether. Aunt Bertie sat closest to her, the old woman having become a fixture in her life since arriving in Deadwich. Antonia adored the crone. While her wisdom was as vast as it was old and knotted, it was her sly wit and outcast status among outcasts that endeared her to the Oversapien. Aunt Bertie had been staying with her since the night they met, the two of them talking over their teacups deep into the night, exchanging secrets. Keith Noonday sat directly across from her, with eyes that absorbed the shadows, his face inscrutable. Theodore Limpernil had become somewhat known to her, at least indirectly, as Aunt Bertie had told her all there was to know about the crusty spirit handler, that he was one of the first to be sent to the city, and that besides the ghosts he imprisoned, he lived alone. The last guest... Eric, a demure Englishman, sat like a waxen statue farthest from her, where the darkness seemed most confident. She wondered why Aunt Bertie's invisible eyes seemed focused on him, and why this Eric seemed not to notice. The conversation was rather dry until Keith brought up William Church, the Malsapian Aunt Bertie especially disliked. "'We've wanted to address the little misgiving we had with his man,' who was apparently sent on his behalf. But we're uncertain how he might receive a visit from us. Theodore was visibly bothered by the question, shaking his head when he answered. Well, they're a mean bunch, the lot of them. Nevertheless, they do run things around here. Hard to say how they'd respond. Now, if you put a hurtin' on one of them, well, they're likely to treat you pretty rough, I'd imagine. "'But you do attend these Thursday meetings?' the Englishman asked, speaking up for the first time. "'Well, uh, yes. It's not much of a meeting, really. Folks go there and we get uh, sort of roped into doing things for them.' "'Things?' Keith asked, clearly interested. "'They got uh, business dealings outside of town. Company tolerates it for whatever reason.' And sometimes we get uh, called on to, um, uh, help them out, you see. Antonia recollected something from the dossier she'd received concerning the Malsapiens. Some of the information had been gleaned from a group with contacts inside the city of Deadwich, a group that had occasional dealings with the Darkling mobs out of Dismouth. Before she could finish her musing, the front door opened. A man stepped inside with several others flanking him. Everyone fell silent as he sauntered into the dim, cobalt light. I'm sure y'all know what happens when you speak the devil's name, 
correct? Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.